Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is brought to you by Mega Ton Coffee, the official fuel of the Rambling Runner Podcast. Mega Ton Coffee is exceptionally bold, twice as caffeinated as your normal brew, yet extremely high quality coffee that I love to drink. And it's available at megatoncoffee.com. You can buy a pound. It's very reasonably priced. And you're only going to drink half of the amount you normally would. Which means not only will you be saving money, but you'll be ingesting less coffee. Because it's just you know, just a great way of getting it done. I know it's why some people like to drink espresso. Having an espresso machine, an espresso maker, isn't necessarily for everybody. And this is a nice middle ground. I like to have some, especially before some of my early morning track workouts. It gets me going, but I don't have a lot of coffee sloshing around when I'm trying to get something done. So this episode is two parts. So first one is Coach's Corner segment with my coach and the owner of McCurdy Trained, James McCurdy. We talk a lot about goal setting. This is the time of year right between Christmas and New Year's where a lot of people are thinking about what they're going to do in the upcoming year in every area of their lives. So In typical James fashion, he approaches this topic from a storytelling perspective and tells a lot of very interesting stories uh, that really show exactly why uh, goal setting can be helpful in other ways can be a waste of time. So it really depends on how you approach it, uh, that's for sure. So that's what we talk about for the first 40 minutes or so. And then after a quick break, we get into my conversation with David Karen. He is the CEO and founder, along with his wife, of Run Angel. Run Angel is a product that a lot of people wear to help protect themselves, um, especially when they're running alone. It's a siren uh, that you wear on your wrist, kind of like a watch, but it also connects to your your phone and alerts people when the siren goes off. Anyway, the reason I had him on, first of all, has nothing to do, this is full transparency, they are not a sponsor of the podcast. They may become a sponsor in the future, but that's not why I had him on. This is not a paid segment or paid content. The issue of running safety is an important one that's come up in 2018. We've talked about it on this podcast as well, and I wanted to have him on because I really believe in his product. And I also know that it can help a lot of people. So I wanted to give him this platform to talk about it. Cause I think it's something that, you know, even if it doesn't affect you and you end up running, you know, safely for the rest of your life, just having peace of mind during a run can be a big deal. And I think that that's an important thing as well. It's also important to know while a lot of these products get marketed to females, you know, part of the reason they started this company was because it's an issue that David had. So this is not just a female product. It's also for males. But we just talk about running safety in general, and I wanted to have him on the show to do just that. So thank you for listening, and have a great day. James, how you doing? I am good. I'm good. I'm a little little tired. We got the puppy last night, and and I slept in a hotel, and he was nibbling on my finger and my earlobes most of the evening, uh, and he peed on my jacket. Um. But I just brought him back home, and he's been with us for for about an hour now, and Nugs is loving on him, and things are starting to calm down. So what makes you want to go out and get the puppy? Oh, well, we, you know, Nugs is he, he's a, he's a Vigla, and uh, if y'all don't follow him, follow him on The Life of Nugs on Instagram. 
great. He doesn't really do much out in there. I don't know. Uh, he, he, uh, he's energetic, and uh, and we he plays so well with other dogs that we felt it was the best thing for him to have somebody else to play with while we're home. So he he loses some of the anxiety he might get for just being around us all day. Because if I spent all day with myself, I'd be anxious too. Um, <laughs> but no, he's uh, he needed a, he needed a playmate, someone a little bit more often than just like three days a week at the park. Um, and uh, we had an opportunity to, to get another dog, so it was it was it was a good fit. Yeah, cute little thing. So what? How big is that? How big is it going to be? Oh, uh, maybe thirty to forty pounds. He's a I guess they call them a toy mini Aussie. So he's an Australian Shepherd, but he's a miniature version. So he's not going to get much bigger than thirty or forty pounds. Um, and uh, but God, oh my God, we almost like I felt like we almost got scammed because, you know, we're I'm texting this woman and you know we're we found him and it's a breeder and whatnot and um and all of a sudden you know I asked her to send me a picture of the dog and she never did because it was Christmas Eve and she had a bunch of family stuff going on I was like whatever you know she's gonna send him uh to, to the airport and uh, you know I'll, I'll touch base with her uh, on Wednesday so I start calling the number that I've been texting and all of a sudden it's disconnected. And I'm like, oh, oh no, did we just get scammed? So I'm calling, I'm calling, I'm calling. I go to Puppy Finder and like the phone number on there is still that number. And it's a verified person. So we know this person's legit, but it turns out like her phone was, uh, was damaged or destroyed. So it, like just turned everything off. And meanwhile, I'm calling like Delta Cargo. Like, is there actually a puppy in your care right now? Like, can you connect to this airline in Atlanta to make sure like there's somebody there, there's, there's a, indeed a live animal in that crate. <laughs> it was really funny. And then she, she ended up texting me like 30 minutes later from a different phone number. It's like, I'm so sorry. My phone broke. And oh God. Uh, meanwhile, I'm going, I'm, I'm on a run with, with nubs and we're going for like five or six miles. And I'm thinking, okay, how do I fly out to this person's address and just take whatever dog I want? Because she scammed us. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is, oh, that is crazy. Gosh. I guess a, it probably happens, but that, that is well, kind yeah. of a wild situation. Yeah. I mean, you definitely want to, you definitely want to go with someone who's certified or verified or whatever, you know, you want to make sure that you have the right documentation. And, and we did, um, but there's still that risk, you know, and we just, we just, live in an area uh where this specific breed of dog can be hard to find uh, and we definitely wanted this version of a dog so we had to go outside of where we live because there, we don't have any local the closest town to us is 45 minutes away flagstaff is surrounded by by forest and and, and mountains uh so the closest town is 45 minutes away and you're not always going to find uh uh, a dog, you know, a specific breed of dog. Whereas if you live other where other places in the country, you you have towns that are much more uh, uh, much closer. So the likelihood is that you'll be able to find what it is you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's for sure. So. And you meant you mentioned we're around Christmas right now. We're in the sweet spot between Christmas and New Year's. Oh yeah, otherwise known as goal setting season. Yeah, for, for everybody, no everybody. matter what their endeavor or where they are in life, or for any any strata of people. But yeah. Yeah. Now, but this is the Railing Runner podcast. We're going to talk about some running goals yeah. and running goal setting. Um, just when you have this time of year, how have your thoughts around goal setting changed over uh, time? Well, it's interesting. Like at this time, three years ago, McCurdy Trains still was not yet formed. Our official date, our official anniversary, birthday, whatever you want to call it, is January 6th. 
2016. So we were not yet a business three years ago to this day. We were still, we were forming, you know, but I still hadn't filled out all the paperwork yet. You know, the website was still being built and all this kind of stuff. And, um, and where I was three, four, five, ten years ago when it comes comes to athletic pursuits and how I viewed goals is much different than I view them now because I think coaching in this realm has changed how I prepare my athletes for how to view their goals. Uh, and, and that in turn has has helped change my mind a little bit, my vision in what I view as successful goal setting. So what does it look like now compared to what it used to? Well, uh, what, what it used to be was pie in the sky stuff without living in reality. I think that's what it, what it came down to. I, uh, I used to have pie in the sky dreams, but I, I wasn't living in the reality of what today actually was. Uh, where did I want to be in five years? Where did I want to be in 10 years? Well, those are great goals and visions, but if there's no action on a daily basis to get there, it, they don't mean shit. Right. So I think I've learned a little bit more uh, certainly over the past three years that, yeah, it's really important to, you want to be Q and you're an hour away from that, two hours away from that. That's a great vision to have, but what is the reality right now? The reality right now is what are we going to do over the next three to five to six months to take steps on a daily basis to get there? And I don't think years ago I I, I necessarily thought that way. I I know I didn't. Uh, When I was in high school, I, I was good. I, I was eighth in the country in the high jump. I was fourth ranked best decathlete in the nation. I was a good athlete. And I thought that my next step was the Olympics. Like, that's ridiculous. But <laughs> that's, I, that, in my mind, that's what I thought my next step was. And I was nowhere near that. Nowhere close to that. Uh, and, I was, and I was a good athlete, mind you. Um, and now I look back at, that, at, at those thoughts and I'm like, man, I was just naive. I just... There's just no way that for me to, to have those visions, I wasn't ready to take those daily steps to make that dream a reality. I just thought that was just the next logical step. Yeah, and so you're, you're putting two words in there, and you're really going out of your way to separate them, and that's vision and goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I, I, I think I maybe treat them differently now, those words now, than I did then. Uh, I thought maybe they were the same 15, 20 years ago, but I definitely have a different idea of them now. Right. So you've had kind of an up and down year or so from yeah. an athletic standpoint, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. So, but you also have had, you know, your, your business has really taken off. So this, so this year, I'm sorry, last year at this time, what were some of the goals that you set for yourself? At, from an athletic standpoint or both? Okay, so from an athletic standpoint, personally, uh, last year, I had just been coming back from a knee surgery. I was about four months removed. I had knee surgery August 16th, eight weeks after it was a non-invasive knee surgery. I cannot stress that enough because it matters. Because eight weeks later, I ran a half marathon uh, relatively with ease, uh, without pain. Versus previous knee surgery, it took me four months to be able to really run again, right? Um, so I, I was coming from uh, my athletic vision in a different way. Um, I had been gifted by my now wife uh, a half marathon 
a few months before for my birthday, she said, well, I believe that you're going to start training hard and I'm going to sign you up for a half marathon in March and we're going to make a great trip of it. And it was, it was fantastic. We went to San Diego. We saw my best friend and his wife ran, we both ran the half marathon. Um, it was not a flat course as much as they tell you it's bullshit. It was <laughs> <laughs> the flattest course in the country is not flat. It never is. Um, and then we went and saw one of my favorite musicians, this guy, Glenn Hansard, uh, an Irish musician. Um, so my training and my vision on that was how do I run a PR? I had just come off an knee surgery. I just ran, a, uh, been training successfully. I'm ready to do speed work. Uh, we just moved to Flagstaff. Or we're just about to move to Flagstaff. Um, and you know, now I've got a half marathon. I'm nowhere near in personal best fitness. I've got essentially two and a half months to get there what do I got to do? And, you know, my coach and I, Tim Ritchie, uh, we spoke a lot about, okay, what are the steps? What are the logical steps on a weekly basis? How do we get there? And, uh, coming off of knee surgery, I was able to run a lifetime PR of a 90 seconds, uh, in the middle of March. Um, and it was just, just weekly progress, you know, just taking those baby steps. Um, and that kind of set me up as I was going through training that set me up to this, this, this vision of, of running, well under a 230 barrier uh, and running sub 225 and, and earning a USATF uh, automatic standard for the marathon, which is 224. Uh, and so that, that's where, uh, that's where our, 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 uh, the training was leading until I ended up uh, ultimately succumbing to an injury, stepping on a rock. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was it stepping was, on a rock and having like the weirdest diagnosis ever. I've never heard oh, like, well, this, like this, I've, like this. Your no. recovery from the injury like doesn't match the injury like in any possible way. Well, that's it's like it's almost like part, borderline right? like performance art. How long it's taken to right? come back? So I had knee surgery, and two two months later, literally eight weeks later, I run a half marathon in seventy five minutes uh, without issue. Uh, after a surgery, I step on a rock and da- do some severe damage to a tendon. And I am now just in my fourth week of running again. And it's been about five, six months of almost no running. So I just started running again this month. Uh, and I started with 20, 30 minute runs and just, you know, not every day, just a little by little, just, you know, we talked about this before that there's magic in those 20, 30 minute runs. Uh, and those were hard. Like I was running eight and a half minute miles and I was winded. I was exhausted. I would come up the stairs and I felt like I ran 20, 30 miles. Uh, and now three, four weeks later, I'm running eight, nine miles uh, as, a, as a longer effort. And I feel like I'm floating and I'm not even in pain. My foot feels great, uh, which is wonderful. Uh, so just, just four weeks ago, a 20-minute run was, was gassing me. And now my fitness is starting to come back. It's interesting, actually, um, because this, this does have to do with goals and, 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 and seeing yourself as better than you've ever been. Uh, a lot of people get so worried and so anxious about taking time off. Uh, even just seven, 10 days, uh, two weeks off, they're worried about losing fitness, especially after a goal performance in a marathon or half marathon, even 5Ks, and that their season came to a close and now their coach wants them to take some time off to recover. Yeah, but what if how, you know, it's going to take me so long to come back and I, I'm going to lose all this fitness and I'm never going to get back to where I wanted to be and I don't want to take any time off because I'm scared. And they, they, they end up rushing and they end up getting hurt because of it. Um, 
because they were scared of losing fitness. And it's interesting too, because we go through these physiological changes in our body when we train for extended and consistent periods of time that when I first started running October 1st, 2012, uh, it took me a full year to run, uh, an hour and 14 minute half marathon, a full year. I had to lose some body weight in there because I was about 30 pounds heavier than where I was a year later. Uh, a lot of that was muscle. Cause I was kind of look, I was more of a personal trainer, not a bodybuilder, but a heavier personal trainer build. Um, but it took me a full year to get to that level to run 74 minutes in a half marathon. Uh, and then, uh, maybe six months later, I, I go down to about 72, um, but then I, I took some time off because of surgeries and, and health issues. And, and then two months after a knee surgery, just two months, I run 75 minutes and I'm talking. What took me a year to get to when I first started running took me two months off of a run walk to get there. And the reason being is that my body over a consistent period of time, even though there were, there were blips of injury and surgeries and needing time off, required time off to recover, I developed my, my, my body and I, my body went through a, uh, a physiological change that it's not going to take me a year or two years to get back to where I was. Even this stupid little foot injury that I've been dealing with for five or six months, this is one of the longest breaks I've ever had in, in, uh, since my return to running. I mean, gosh, I'm, I live at, I'm living at 7,000 feet and I'm already running 640 per mile and I feel like I'm floating and I haven't run in like five or six months. You know, it was the years leading up to that, that consistent development that uh, has allowed for this physiological change. But I think some people, they get worried that they're going to lose all this fitness. So they keep setting goal after goal after goal, that race after race after race, that they uh, have their growth. And that's yeah, going no, to bring me point. back to you. That's going to bring me back to you. And we're going to get to you in a moment. Uh, <laughs> All right. You take, take it away, boss. This is your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah. I, it, let's take a step back for a moment. Uh, and where does that, where does that information come from? Uh, Jack Daniels, uh, not the drink, the, uh, the doctor, uh, you know, the, the physiologist, he did a study where he measured, uh, everything you could possibly measure over a period of 50 years, 25 of the best runners in the country over a period of 50 years, these same 25 individuals. In fact, only one of them didn't make it to the 50 year study because he passed away. So essentially 24 people over a period of 50 years for the entire period of 50 years, he would test them physiologically over a period, uh, maybe every few years, every five years, every 10 years, uh, and just get some data from them. So we can have this long-term study of what does the body go through. And not everyone, not everyone uh, uh, was, a, uh, was a great athlete their entire career, their entire adult life. We're talking 50 years, 20 years old to 70 years old, right? And what he found was there, and we talked about this, uh, about VO2 max, there was less than a 5% change in their VO2 max. These same individuals, they always had the, that, 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 that VO2 max ability. doesn't mean that they're 70 years old and they're running a sub four minute mile, but their athletic ability in terms of 
their body's ability to use oxygen and use it as fuel and, and have this, this physiological change over, over the period of their, their professional career held through a period of 50 years, right? He did another study uh, where he took some of the, some of the finest runners and he, and he forced them no physical activity over a period of 87 days, if I'm remembering the study correctly, zero. You know, he, they monitored their nutrition so they didn't gain like 15, 20 pounds in that time, but zero physical activity over a period of 87 days. And when he did a muscle biopsy before and after, what they found was less than a 5% change in the mitochondrial development. And the mitochondrial development is essentially the lifeblood of, of running. It's how our, our cells grab oxygen and use it as fuel. 87 you, you days. Cut, you cut out there for a second. So was a 5% drop in what? mitochondrial development okay meaning uh 87 days of no activity yeah they, they might lose a little bit of power and explosion they might lose a little bit of that ability to run but it's not going to take them years to get back to where they were we're talking athletes that were running 100 miles a week uh they told them not to do anything for almost three months it wasn't like they lost everything they lost less than five percent of their capability right yeah and i've seen that and this is a very different workout, but I've seen that in the bench press. Like I've, yeah. know, I, used to, I used to bench a lot in college when I was playing basketball. It was one of our physical testing um, skills. And, you know, I was now, now later on in life, I would stop working out consistently. You know, I would like, you know, I basically went through like six months of not benching. I'd come back in like third workout in, I'd be like pretty close to where i was in college right it's not it comes back really really fast and it's not so much muscle memory as it is you went through a physiological change it's not like you're going to lose everything you're going to lose some and it's going to take hard work to get back there but you're not going to be starting you're not really starting from zero not really it's just going to take some time to get back there there was a guy and again this is all going to come back to you i promise you uh, there's a guy named John Troutman. John was an Olympian, uh, uh, I want to say in 1992, an amazing athlete. Maybe it was 88, but I want to say 1992. Amazing athlete, broke four minutes in the mile. I think his best mile was 357 or 358. One of the best runners uh, in, in the United States at the time. Suffered an injury in the Olympics. And I wrote about this in an email uh, about six weeks ago to some of the athletes. Uh, suffered an injury in the Olympics, never made it to the Olympic final. And that essentially ended his career, right? Uh, he got into finance. He ended up gaining like 60, 70 pounds. He stepped away from anything athletic for, for decades. And then he ended up bumping into uh, his old college coach. And his college coach is uh, a guy named Frank Gagliano. Uh, coach Gags, uh, it's an older man, older gentleman, former coach of Georgetown University, one of the best coaches in, in U.S. history. He's coached 11, maybe 12 Olympians, maybe more, uh, even as, as recent as, as 2016. He's still coaching. And so John Troutman, looking 60, 70 pounds heavier than he was when he was a professional runner, goes to his coach, and his coach says something to the effect of, what happened to you, you know? And he kind of gave him like this, this, this pep talk, like you've got a lot more in you, you know, you can be better than this. And I think, I think John Trotman just lost his job or he was laid off during the financial crisis or something. I don't know. Don't quote me on that, but he was in a position to where he could start losing weight. He could start spending time 
getting healthier. So he's just, he just started with, with some run walks and that's all you can really handle. And those run walks turned into 20 minute runs, 30 minute runs, 60 minute runs. And he started getting to a point where he felt like he could train again. Now he's well beyond his prime. He's well beyond anything that resembles an Olympian. He, he gained 60, 70 pounds. He was nowhere. He was a, he wasn't even a shell of his former self. And yet in a few years time, he was able to run, I want to say, right around a 410 mile. Oh, God. Over 40 years old. That was only 12 seconds or so slower than his lifetime best as a professional runner. This is after, I mean, he had to lose the weight. He had to put in the work. He had to train it, treat it seriously. You know, you talk about setting goals. You talk about coming back from adversity. This guy did it. And he did it recently. This was just a few years ago. Uh, and he fell in love with the sport again. He fell in love with that passion that he, that he had inside of himself. And I'm sure, I am sure that he lost it, but he found it. And it didn't take him 20 years to get back there. It only took him a few. It took some time to lose the weight, took some time to be consistent. And I'm sure he had a few injuries here or there, a few niggles that he had to get over. But he, he was able to set a world record for his age group in the mile. And then after he, completely stepping away, and which is crazy because like at age, you know, you're in your younger forties, like there's plenty of people who he was probably running against in those meets. Oh yeah. That were, that'd been training for 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a guy named Mark Hickson. He's a, uh, Oh, he's a local guy for me. Yeah. Yeah. He's a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, and he, he stepped away from the sport for a little bit because of injuries. Uh, he had a lot of hamstring issues and whatnot. And so when he came into training about almost two years ago, he was only running like a 19-minute 5K. Now, for a guy that uh, used to run 14 flat or 13 high, 19 minutes is crawling. Uh, and now we're, we're talking about breaking 16 again. Uh, and he's in his mid-50s. You know, he's one of the best runners, master's runners uh, in the nation. Uh, he's usually finishing in the top 15, sometimes in the top 10. Yeah, he was in a race that I was in recently, and I was looking at the race results. I didn't know that you were connected to him at the yeah. time. Yeah, And I remember, I remember I was looking at, like, man, this guy Mark Hickson really is something else. Like, I see that name all the time. Yeah. And then you sent me a text, like, hey, did you check out Mark Hickson? I was, like, looking at his name on the score <laughs> sheet when you texted me. I'm like, all right, this is getting a little eerie. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it was, yeah, I think he was, like, 56. And it was like, oh, my God, yeah. this guy just beat me by, like, four minutes in a 5K yeah. or something And like and, and, and this is something, he, he's battled injuries uh, you know, he's a powerful individual, but he had, a, he had to adjust his training. We had to adjust his training to, to allow for his body to recover properly, you know. Um, and he's got some big goals. Uh, he still wants to win a national title for, for a Masters, you know. That's one of the goals. He, he recently finished second. Uh, it was the first time finishing second uh, at a 15K uh, in Tulsa this year. Um, but and here's a guy that, he understands what it means to kind of come back from adversity. So how does this all come back to you and hopefully reach a few people that are listening is we had a few lofty goals for you this fall. Uh, it was a number one, it was a big coaching change for you. It was a big philosophy change for you. Uh, I think it was a recognition of what the reality was for fitness, a recognition for what the reality was for what areas of your life you needed to change and what it is you needed to do differently. Nutritionally, sleep pattern, family life, dedication to training, what it all means, and how do you take ownership of that? And I think over the last six months, you've really started to understand, okay, these are the steps I need to take, and this is how I need to take them. 
You know, some people never get there. Some people just give up, but you, you haven't, you know? Uh, but now through, through some of that, those, those physical adversities you felt over the last two months or so, even today, you, 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 you commented on your own post today, you finally felt like your, your old self again. Yeah, that was great. Today, today was a, a good day. That's for sure. Even though I was bloated from, from too many holiday cookies. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was fuel for the fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, like, so, so what are the goals? What are my coaching goals to my athlete, Matthew? Um, shoot, I, I don't want to step back from what it is we, we talked about. I want to break 130. I just don't want to put a time frame on it. I want to, I want to chase after, uh, if you, if you have this idea of running a marathon, I, I want to go after running the best possible marathon. But first we got to be consistent with training. We, we don't have to be at X ability at X month or X date. We just take it for what it is. Where are you right now? What are you finding success with? And how do we continuously build upon that success week after week after week and not think about it as this huge elephant in the room that you've got to tackle all at once? No, where are we right now? Where do we want to go? The vision, but what do we got to do week after week after week? And I think you're starting to understand physically, okay, this is what I got to be doing and this is how I got to do it. And this is where we're headed you know yeah exactly and for me the, running consistently has not been an issue over the past decade what's been an issue is recovering consistently yeah and because the recovering yeah. consistently has been an issue it's hampered my ability to run consistently but it wasn't like a willpower for running yep. issue you know some yep. people are like all right i just don't run consistently because i just can't get out of bed like that's never been a problem for me for yeah. me it was going to bed was the yeah, problem yeah. and that and that was you know that was stunting my physical growth yeah. was my lack of recovering and then yeah. ultimately you know led me to like careening off the cliff yeah i mean how can you possibly progress if a major aspect of training which is recovery is so uh lacking right um you know so if anyone's been uh, been following my own personal athletic journey, my last marathon was a colossal failure. It wasn't because I was ill-trained. It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't because I was ill-prepared. It was a physical reaction to conditions of the day. And I lost probably 13, 14 pounds of fluid uh, in a short amount of time. And I just, I couldn't muster anything more than a run walk for the final eight miles of my marathon. Uh, and it was, it was a brutal day. And it was a day where one of our athletes and coaches, Laura Anderson, ended up winning the race. Her body and her ability to perform that day was phenomenal. I just had a really bad day and I ended up personally about 30 minutes slower, near, near 30 minutes slower than what I, I thought I was capable of, of accomplishing. Um, and I'm going to run another marathon this year. We don't know exactly which one yet. We have a few ideas of what the fall might look like, but I am not, no way in God's green earth going to base my 2019 on what failing I had in a single race in 2018. Hell no. God, no, no way on God's green am I going to focus on what I accomplished in 2018 as a predetermined factor on what I'm going to be able to accomplish in 2019. I know for a fact what I'm capable of. I know that I need to develop. I know what I need to work on. And it was just a physical reaction that day. And I'm going to achieve the goals I set out to because everything has said I'm capable of doing it. I just need to be healthy. I just need to have a chance. I just haven't had a chance yet. And that's okay. You know? Yeah, no, no, for sure. So it, it sounds like you have, so you set up a vision 
for something that could be like a stretch goal long term. And then you have your goals become the the steps that lead you to that point, often process oriented. Yes. Because as we said before, there there's no prerequisite for success. So you don't need to run a one thirty two before you run a one thirty, you know. So there, there are, there are, you certainly will have a, a improvement timeline. So at some point you will yes. be in 132 shape exactly. and then 130 shape, but that doesn't necessarily correspond with a race. Per I mean, se. gosh, look at Heather. She ran, she ran the same half marathon I ran in March. She ran 132 and change. It was a, it was a great race for her. It was a PR for her. And then just maybe what, eight weeks later, uh, 10 weeks later, she runs a 125. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, seven minutes. <laughs> you know, clearly she could have been running a 128 inside of that time, but she took a huge jump. We, see, uh, we witnessed history. When we were at CIM, we witnessed history uh, on the female side of running. Never be- before seen. And I've heard a few people say, oh, CIM, is, is, you know, it's just a really fast course. That is bullshit. There is no such thing as an easy marathon. Chicago is not easy. You have to run it the right way. Boston is not easy. You have to run it the right way. New York is not easy. You got to run even a downhill marathon. If you're not prepared for that, that is going to destroy you. And if you don't run it the right way, you're not going to see success. And CIM, you have to run CIM correctly for your fitness level and for strategy. And we witnessed 100 women qualify for the Olympic trials with a 245 flat or faster. Some of them were Canadian, so they don't make it. So I think it's 98 or 99 U.S. women ran 245 or faster. And some of them took off 15, 20, 25 minutes with our own Crystal Harris. And maybe, maybe there are a few others that took off even more time that never accomplished it before. Right. And even looking at you know, the woman who came in second, Sam Recker, was she coming Sam, third? Sam was third. So she, so she, was, at, she was at PC when I was there. Yeah. And I was an employee. And like, if you were following, obviously she was a good runner for PC, but she wasn't even like the name, you know, and here she yeah. was stepping yeah. up and like doing something amazing right. in, in that so marathon. You have, uh, so she's a great example. She's wonderful. Uh, I've met her a few times uh, in passing. She came out to flag for a little bit. Uh, she is uh, dating one of our old athletes. This guy, Jason Ayer, who's uh, works at Tracksmith now, former Western mass distance project founder, uh, I think. Um, and I bumped into Jason before the race and I was talking to him about his goals and uh, he didn't, he, unfortunately Jason didn't make it uh, to the trials. He missed uh, by a, by a minute and a half or so, maybe two minutes. Uh, but when I saw him, I said, dude, you got to go find Sam. He said, what do you mean? Is she okay? I was like, she just finished third. His eyes bugged out of his head. He, he, he nearly fainted. He could not believe it. Sam's first marathon, uh, I think, was Hartford, where she ran 237-ish, mid, maybe 238 low. Uh, and that was her first marathon. And she just took off over a mile on her marathon time. Yeah. I mean, we had Rachel, um, who won Hartford yeah. on the podcast a few months ago, and she ran, like, solo. Yeah. Near the, the entire end of time. Race. Rachel, yeah. she's a fantastic athlete. Steeplechase runner uh, from Cornell, if I remember correctly. Uh, just yeah. a phenomenal athlete. An incredible talent. Uh, and to see her run so strong was, was, was pretty cool. Um, cause I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was her debut, right? It was. And yeah. to, she just did it. So she, I mean, she, you have to be ready. You have to run it the right way. Um, but 
you don't have to say, oh, I've got to run 250 before I run 245. You don't have to say, I've got to, I've got to run 155 in this half marathon before I break 150. That's nonsense. Train, develop, run the race appropriately to your fitness. You know, I don't know when we're going to break 130. We're going to get there for you. I don't know when that's going to be. But I'm not going to set you up for 129 if I believe that you're in 126 fitness. It's not happening. If I believe you're in 126 fitness, I'm not going to let, set up a softball goal. If this is your goal race and your goal event, we're going to go for 126. Because what's the point? What are we trying to do? We're, are we just trying to make it easy? Or are we trying to be the very best we can be? Right. And I think, I think f- focusing on that race time and shorter is definitely the move because I'm just not in a yeah. position anytime soon to be doing no, marathon training. No. Um, so, life is chaotic. You're a, a, a husband, a father. You got a lot of moving parts in your life with the, certainly the podcast and work uh, and other opportunities that are that are that are will probably present themselves over the course of this year. Um, so this makes sense. It's not run a half marathon before you run a marathon. Right. It's this what is what makes sense for you because of your life, and that's fine. I mean, you you heard Crystal. She she ran a half marathon before she even ran a five k. Yeah, I feel like some of the guests I've had on recently are doing the same thing. Right? <laughs> I can't even yeah. imagine it. But yeah, they're going out for these longer, these longer races for uh, usually because they get like either they get dared to do it or they sign up for a race drunk, and then yeah. they, can, they, get, they get into a point of no return. So you, you know I what I think be it careful, is too. Be careful what you what you web browse when you've been I, drinking. I think yeah, <laughs> um, and if you're drinking, drink dark beer. Um, I think. Uh, that there is a social media, and I've felt this for a while, this social media pressure um, that if you're not training for a marathon, you're not training. I felt it. I I know exactly what you mean. I don't don't agree with that. I mean, there is a reason why a one mile is an Olympic event. The one mile is hard as shit. Same with the 5K and the 10K. Those are really hard, difficult, challenging events. Sarah Bishop would much rather run a half marathon and a marathon than any day of the week run a 5K or a 10K. It's a pain cave that she's very uncomfortable with, and we've got to do it more often. We've got to race a little bit more. She actually has a 5K, 10K double on the same day coming up next week. Um, but she said herself, I can run my half marathons at X pace because I know what I'm capable of. I'm just, I find it so difficult to push myself into that next limit in a 5K. Yeah, no, I hear you. So people who are listening to this, who are trying to figure out exactly what goals to set, what would be your final recommendations on the process they should go through when identifying, you know, maybe a, a proper goal versus a vision? Okay. So uh, start with the vision. Where do you want to end up? When I, when I talk to athletes that are, that are inquiring about uh, coming on board or have questions, my, my, one of my first questions is in nine months, in 12 months, in a year and a half, what would you like to have seen happen if life were perfect? What would you ultimately like to accomplish? Sometimes that's run the first marathon. Sometimes that's run a 5K without walking. Sometimes it's qualify for Boston. Oftentimes it's qualify for Boston or, or even the Olympic trials. We get a lot more of that now uh, because people see what everybody else is doing. They say, why not me, right? Um, start with a vision. Work backwards. Start with that. Recognize over the last year, last six months, last two or three years, what has hindered you from getting there. And, and take a reality check. Be truthful with yourself. Understand what have you been limiting yourself by 
or what has truly hindered you through no fault of your own and how can you work around that? Maybe not remove it altogether because life is never going to be perfect, but how do you work around it so that you can then take those actionable steps? Because honestly, goals, goals are nonsense. If you're not willing to take those daily steps, weekly, consistent steps to get there, goals are absolutely meaningless. The vision you have for yourself means nothing. We work with, uh, we had worked rather with an athlete um, who had this vision of qualifying for the Olympic trials, which I think is wonderful. I'm never going to tell somebody no. You know, who am I to say? I'm nobody. You want to get there, let's help you get there. But she wasn't willing to run more than one or twice, once or twice a week. The, 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 her vision for herself means nothing because she's not willing to do the work. Be willing to recognize what is the reality and then how do you ultimately take steps. And sometimes those steps are find somebody to help you, you know, whether it be coaching. Sometimes it's just following a plan that you find out of a magazine or, or, or sometimes it's just reorganizing your day so you can allow yourself uh, an opportunity to find that success. Yeah, and I think not only having the self-awareness to see stumbling blocks that you can yeah. improve on, yeah. but also the opposite of figuring out in the past, maybe even more so even the recent past, you know, what, when things have gone well, what was it? What was like, happening? What were some things, yeah. what, what was happening, whether it was like, obviously like, especially with eating, it's so individualistic, right? There's yeah. that part and then there's like a scheduling perspective. Like, all right, what about my schedule over, you know, say in August allowed me to be more consistent with certain things that I wasn't able to do in October yep. and kind of doubling down on those things as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, we had been working with an athlete, uh, this guy, his name is Jimmy and, uh, he's a, he's a personality. I love him to death. He's a, he's an interesting dude. Um, and he had an opportunity to, uh, to work with, uh, with another, with, a with, with Ryan Hall, actually, Ryan Hall's the American record holder in the half marathon, ran two Oh four in the marathon in Boston. Um, one of the best marathoners in us history. Um, clearly one of the best runners in, in world history is a, is a fantastic athlete. And uh, it was interesting because, you know, Jimmy told me his goal of, of running CAM in under two hours and 25 minutes. And, you know, like an arrogant son of a gun, I, I, I said to myself, I said, I just don't see it happening. I, I set a limit on him without even understanding who he was. And I learned a lot out of that mistake because when I saw him come across the finish line in CIM in 223.50, I said, wow, man, I have so much to learn. Who am I to say, even to myself, that this person isn't going to get there because I think I know what they're doing. I, I didn't know. You know. I didn't know how hard he was working. I was just like, oh, y'all, good luck to you. Uh, and, I, and privately in my own brain, I'm like, oh, I don't think that's going to happen because I, I made an assumption of where he was six months before. And I just ate my words in a, in a matter of a blink of an eye. And I was there at the finish line and I hung the, the medal around his neck. And that was a, a huge learning experience for me. Uh, and I often, <laughs> I often find myself eating my words um, because it, it, we just don't know. We don't know until you're ready to put in the work. Yeah, and I've, I've heard this expression before, and, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't know it exactly. But it's something to the effect of like, you can do a lot more in 12 to 18 months than you think. Yeah. And you can do a lot less in two weeks than you think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
All right, my man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And obviously, we'll stay in touch offline plenty. But I really appreciate these coaches' corners. And I know, shoot, I get a lot of feedback on them. So, so keep, well, let's keep doing it. Yeah, and, uh, and we'll I'm, keep it going. Uh, I'm hopeful that, uh, that people can hear something from this and say, okay, I can. I got a, I got a wonderful Christmas gift from, uh, from Crystal Harris, uh, who uh, just qualified for the trials. And, you know, 40 years old, and it's great. And she's saying, you know, she wrote Heather and I this, this wonderful Christmas card. Um, but with it came this, uh, this wooden frame and on the frame in white lettering, uh, also made of wood, says, yes, you can. And uh, it, was, it was something that I was shouting at the end of the race. And, I mean, it was, it was one of the nicest gifts I've ever received um, but it's this, this vision of you are more than you think you are. And you just need to, you just need the right support to get you there. I love it. What a way to end it. All right. Thanks, James. All right, man. We'll, we'll talk soon. Hello, David, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hi, Matt. How's it going? It's going great. Thank you for joining me on the show. It's a, it's a privilege to have you on. No, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. So you are the CEO and founder of Run Angel. So first of all, thank you for creating this product that I know is helpful to a lot of people who listen to this podcast. And it's something that's been on a lot of people's radar. So I guess first things first, how did you come up with the idea for this product? Yeah, sure. Um, Basically, I suppose like a lot of people probably tuning in to the show, it was an incident when I, whilst I was out running. Um, I like to run early in the morning, like a lot of folks, and I like to run in the evening. And um, I was running one day early a.m. and it was it was quite foggy here in Cork in in Ireland, and uh, I was running down a, a, an isolated path for for want of a better word, and I noticed another runner coming towards me, and uh, salutations were passed, as they say, and within seconds. After that, I was knocked to the ground by uh, a guy in a hooded top, um, which took me for six because I was listening to music and I was distracted and I, I didn't expect it. Um, I got to my feet, but the guy in question, he got to his feet, but he ran off in the direction he came from. And this kind of sat with me for a little bit when I started back into my run because the other runner who had passed happened to be um, a, a lady running. Um, so... I continued on. I, I, I went on my run and got back to the house and I was speaking to my, my wife, Ellen. I had told her what happened and, and she kind of said, I have a feeling that guy was, uh, was in hot pursuit of the woman and, and you might have prevented something from happening. Um, so again, this just kind of stayed with me for, for, for a little bit. And then I started to become a little bit more aware whilst I was out running of, of certain things. And my wife would go out running. We'd, we'd have three children, so we'd rotate. We'd go out in the morning, go out in the evening. And, and Ellen was starting to see and feel the same things. She was starting to feel, I won't say fear, fear is the wrong, wrong thing to say. She was just becoming more and more aware of it. Um, and we'd come back and we'd discuss it and um, we'd be running with our phones in our hands and this just became a little bit uncomfortable, especially when you get into your stride. So we started to go online and we started to research, was there a personal attack device uh, governed towards the lifestyle industry, particularly aimed at runners. And we couldn't really find anything. Sure, there was the, uh, the, the, the uh, for want of another word, Matt, the, the rape alarms from the days we were all in college, you know, these big clunky items. But look, 
there was no way a runner was going to wear these these sort of items, the ones that you pull out a pin and you cast it away and it sets off an alarm. So we kind of set about there and then to kind of do something about it um, and aim it at the uh, at the running market specifically. And uh, I have to say, ashamedly, that was circa five years ago, as I'm kept reminded of. Um, so, yeah, that, that kind of brings us up to, to the whys of Run Angel. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what were you doing prior to this? Because obviously creating a product as opposed yeah. to a service, you know, not only do you have to come up with the idea, but then you have to, you know, test it out and, yeah. you know, have you know all the things that go into making and then distributing products. Were you already in that sort of field or was your wife in that sort of field? No, we weren't. This this, this is the great thing. And this is, this is what I like to say. Neither myself nor my wife, Ellen. We were, we were we were not engineers. We're not product developers. We were not product designers. It was it was an idea. It was a concept. We we felt very passionate about. So we we went about to get the right people involved in the company and um, to build this for us. We um, I come from a, a music industry background, um, so I worked in PR and marketing, and and similarly Ellen was the same. So no, neither of us were engineers. So this was all very new to us, and this was um, a, a big departure to kind of effectively say no to our day job and put everything into this and and as a husband and wife that can be very scary because when you have everything else the bills the mortgages the kids the schools to turn around and say look i think we should give this 100 percent. i think we should give this 110 percent um and to do that what we have to do is we're going to have to stop what we're doing in our daily lives and concentrate on this and uh, and that's effectively what we did but we were very very fortunate in that the people we brought in into Run Angel were equally as passionate about it as we were. Um, they felt the need for this product. Uh, they were parents themselves. Um, some of them are runners, cyclists. Um, everybody just gravitated towards the idea straight away. They just got it. They, they, and a lot couldn't understand why there wasn't a product like that already on the marketplace. So we brought in the engineers. We brought in acoustic engineers because uh, at the heart of Run Angel is the sound. Um, mobile app developers for Android and, and iPhones. So we brought in a group of great people and are, and are still with us today. Um, you know, five years ago, I would have sat down in the boardroom and I wouldn't have a clue what was going on, Matt. I'd sit there listening to decibels and micro mills and things like this, and, and I'd be just staring into the, into the abyss. Fortunately, today, um, I could probably reverse engineer what, what, what's inside of Run Angel uh, because I've learned so much, and, and I'm thankful to the guys for their patience. Um, and the team and run angel uh, and also the benefit in not being in the industry and not being involved in engineering or product development you know you bring something different to it because you're you're looking at affecting from the outside in you're saying look can we make this smaller you know this isn't good this has to be worn on the wrist we can't have something big and the engineers are looking at you saying you can't do that it goes against law of physics i said well, we have to try because there's no point coming out with a saucer with a teacup on top of it because it's just not going to be worn. Um, so we were more or less coming from the marketing aspect to it and the PR aspect to it. Um, so, yeah, we were kind of the bane of the lives of many of the engineers and, and the folks we brought in. But, um, yeah, so we're, we're there now, thankfully. I suppose the hardest part of, of creating a business or a startup, especially consumer tech, you know, and I was told this in the early days, it's it's great sitting around teas and coffees and, and chatting about what you want to do and how you want to change the world or what you're bringing out. But it's a completely different story when you build it and bring it out. I think that's when the fun begins, um, especially from a market research perspective, because you, you, we're effectively bringing out a safety wearable device. 
So we had to get into the nitty gritty research. We had to explore avenues we didn't want to look at some of the nasty figures and facts, you know, sexual assault figures. We had to interview the incarcerated to find out what would prevent an attack. So it was nasty. It it, it was at times dark and, and, and depressing. But at the same time, we still have the drive to push it through. And then when it comes out, when your product hits the shelves, it's, it's like your baby walking for the first time. You're very protected of it. And, you know, it's only then when you get the feedback. And then when the feedback starts coming in, it's just overwhelming, to say the least, especially from our American customers. Absolutely overwhelming, Matt, because the emails we get in from victims' families, victims themselves, you know, it just makes all the whole talk around the kitchen table five years ago also worthwhile. Really? So, I mean, I should have just assumed that that was the case, but I never had thought about, you know, the the correspondence that you may get from people who have, you know, been positively influenced by Run Angel. Yeah, it's, it's daily. It's a, it's, it's a daily occurrence. And it, it, it's so reassuring because, you know, it's not a fitness tracker. It's not a Fitbit. It's not a Garmin. It's, you know, we all have the running watches. It's, it's, we could have done that, Matt. We, we could have said, look, with acoustic capabilities and put in the alarm and put in the SMS and location alerts. Let's do everything, you know, and let's see if we can raise the funds to do that. But we kind of decided not to. And consciously, we decided not to do that because we didn't want to take away these old safety features, which is inherent in Run Angel. We, we wanted to kind of say, look, runners, students, uh, lone uh, walkers, lone, lone workers, look, we're building a safety wearable. Uh, we need to show you, we're a new company, that it works. We need to show you that you've got peace of mind from a safety wearable, that it's not a gimmick. It's not a fitness tracker with an add-on of an alarm. You know, if you are you have a fitness tracker that tells you you're out by 60 steps, you're not going to lose any sleep over it. Whereas if you have a safety wearable and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, it's a completely different situation. It's, it's a real-life situation, which we take very seriously, which is why we make it locally, which is which is why we... We didn't look to the Chinese markets to build Run Angel, which a lot of bigger brand companies are doing. We, we decided consciously not to do that. So effectively, I can jump into my car, go down to our manufacturer, stand at the production line, see how it's being built, uh, make sure it's being tested rigorously, make sure the sound is reaching a certain dB level, the alerts are going out and it's pairing with Bluetooth, everything. Everything's being ticked and, and we're happy about it before it goes into the box and is shipped. So that was extremely important because it wasn't a fitness tracker. It was a, it was a safety wearable. Now, tell the people exactly what Run Angel does. Yeah, yeah. Run Angel is a personal safety wearable in that it's connected uh, to smartphones uh, over Bluetooth. And at the heart and soul of Run Angel is an acoustic chamber. And what the acoustic chamber does is when you activate the main button on Run Angel, it sends out a siren, an alarm in excess of 120 decibels. And the second layer of security to that is that it will notify your next of kin, your loved ones, your family, your friends by SMS or email of your whereabouts. So if you're running um, and something happens, you press the alarm and the alarm effectively gives you that opportunity to get out of Dodge. And as a definition of a personal attack alarm, it gives you that opportunity to make your escape. And you know, I, I could preach this from a pulpit. Sound is so important to a safety wearable. It, it really is. So sound was first. And then secondary was the, the, the whereabouts, the Google map links to where you are. Um, so you can add, you can download the app, add up to three guardians. And uh, in a case of, a, of an activation, 
the alarm and the alerts go out. You could also do other clever things with the app, send out silent alerts, um, deactivate the alarm, just send, just activate the alarm, no alerts. So there are a few things you can tweak through the menu on the app. Now, is there a certain email or letter that you received early on um, after you went to market that really touched home for you and kind of made, kind of like, I guess, put your mind at ease a little bit in terms of the viability and future of the product? Yeah, when we launched, uh, we, we were like, as I said, I like to say we're a startup company from Ireland. So when we launched, we said, look, we're going to look to the Irish, UK, uh, EU market first. Um, we didn't have the funds effectively to go into the US because it would take a lot to do that. So we said, we're going to do that in 2019. But we were only out days and uh, the media attention uh, spiraled in the US. We were getting emails from potential customers. This is available in the US. And we say, no, no, we can ship directly to the US. That's not an issue. And we're offering free shipping. Um, and then the emails did come in. The emails from, you know, had I had this uh, when I was in college, uh, walking through campus several years ago, this could, my life could be different. And, and we kind of sat up and took notice. And then an email, another email came in from a, a, a man actually in South Africa. He was a farmer in a remote place in South Africa. I think he had uh, vast land and he was robbed one night and he was almost left for dead. And he said the same thing. He said, I'm buying your run angel. I'm a man. He said, I'm a farmer. I said, I go mountain biking and I need this product. And had to, had I had this product, my life would be different. And then we started to get the emails from the runners. We started to see the runners coming to us and saying, you know, I go out for my run. I'm sick of being catcalled. I'm sick of being whistled at. Cars slowing down beside me. And, and then it just became, as I said earlier, it became just very, very real. And then it started to become harrowing, uh, Matt, in that the, the level of emails that were coming in were becoming a little bit more disturbing is the wrong word, but a little bit more real in that they were saying, you know, I was sexually assaulted. Um, I'm a runner. Um, again, you know, this product is, is, is a life changer. I'm going to talk about this to my friends, my running groups. So. Again, it just gave us impetus just to keep going, gave us impetus just to get this out into the public domain, get in touch with media. We're a small company. We still are a small company. We're, we're a family-run company, so we do everything ourselves here with press and, and promotion. Um, so we just made a drive for the runner's world, the women's health, the women's running, uh, college campuses. Just say, here we are. If you can make mention of Run Angel, please do. Yeah, and it's it's so interesting you know, to know or just to see the, the progression of a small company and going international and getting all the, the publicity that you have received. You know, the, on some level, you can, con, you can control it. On some level, it's, you, know, you hope at least that some of it's organic. And one part of the organic reach seems to be that a lot of times this is marketed more towards women than men, which is interesting because – as you talked about earlier, kind of the founding of the company was an instant that you had, not that yeah. your wife had. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah, like Run Angel, I, I could look at the, the, the figures and see the demographic breakdown and, 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 and gender split. Uh, obviously, we very high gifting market. Um, having said that, though, um, you know, I, I, have, I have two daughters and I have a son. I am. Yes, in the early days, it was incidents. It, it was my wife going out, always being protective. Um, what happened to me? And then Ellen would go out running. I'd, I would then be sitting uh, at the bottom of the stairs, you know, waiting for her to come back in. Is she okay out in her run? I would start to feel very nervous. So it was me putting myself in the position of buying a run angel for Ellen. Um, so was I the overprotective husband? Was I the protective husband? Or was I just performing the role of what a lot of caring people would do? But at the same time, you know, 
I was out running in, in the Clarny National Park uh, several years ago when we were prototyping Run Angel and I was wearing my Run Angel and, and I don't know if you're familiar with the Clarny National Park it's in a beautiful part of Ireland in County Kerry if anyone has an opportunity to ever visit Ireland please visit Kerry um, but the Killarney National Park is just superb to run in and it's quite remote and it's beautiful scenery and I came I, I fell uh, I was coming off a cattle grid and I tripped and it was in the middle of nowhere in a national park and I had my Run Angel on and I activated it now I'd broken my ankle so I couldn't get up and I'd say within maybe minutes two three minutes two backpackers came over to me lifted me up um the alert had gone out to Ellen, who was back at the house, and she contacted me. She could see where I was, and she contacted the ranger, gave him the location, and the ranger came uh, in the jeep and, and took me to the hospital in Killarney. So we, we talk about attacks and and, and, and a perilous act can be, but at the same time, we also see it as a personal injury device that if you come down or, or if you're, if you're you know, we see the statistics about people marked and running and, and, and you know, the, the effect of heart attacks and things like this. So we got to see it uh, twofold, attacks and personal injury. So it's kind of an all-encompassing safety wearable. Um, yes, statistically, you know, we, we, we see there are more attacks on women than men. Um, oh, that's, that's just the way it is. Uh, you know, I would prefer it not to be that way, of course. Um, but at the same time, you know, I hope Run Angel gives, you know, the wear the peace of mind and, and gives their loved ones back at home or, or, or whomever is there for them uh, that peace of mind so that effectively you can concentrate on your run. Nobody should, you know, stop doing what they love doing. And, and this is what we're trying to do at Run Angel. We're, we're, you know, I can talk about empowerment. I can talk about, you know, peace of mind. But at the same time, I'm talking about lifestyle and, and a love for something that we all like doing, and that's running. And wearing Run Angel that would hopefully give you that, you know, I'm going to concentrate my run. This is this is just the peace of mind I need. And it was an incident before that I had um, several years ago. I was out running myself and I came across a group of guys and they had been drinking at the side of the road. And they threw bottles at me. But, you know, I, I, I ran as fast as I could. I ran back into the car park. And, and obviously you're very mindful of approaching another person in a car park especially late at night but there was a lady getting out of her car to go on her run and I approached her and I said look sorry to disturb you you may not want to go down that path because it's a group of guys you might want to go a different direction she thanked me she got into her car and she drove away now that really stuck at me as well it really annoyed me because here was some runner coming out to go on their run and now they couldn't they were getting back into the car and they were going home no running and and nobody really should be should should have to do that so again that just you know just just took it up a level for us um and and just to bring it to everybody's attention of what is out there yeah that that does stink there that's for sure and you know good for you for mentioning it to her but also like you said like it can be disheartening to see that person get back in their car and you know especially driving to a run can already be kind of like a pain in the butt anyway so then to get back into your car and leave exactly exactly but and also that that's, that's brings up an interesting point too about just the not necessarily like the empowerment and the safety part, but just like being able to live the life that you want to live. You know, yeah. for a lot of people who listen to this podcast, a lot of them work out either early, early in the morning or later in the evenings because of either work and or family obligations. So essentially a lot of us are running in the dark. Mm. Right. So you know, yeah. getting a headlamp is nice, but you know, that's also like a very just small beam of light and it's not ideal 
from this perspective. That's for sure. And and shoot, you you brought up two, you know I'm sure a couple of examples that didn't necessarily happen in the dark. You know these things don't just happen in the dark. In fact, we had a yeah a, a you know young lady on the podcast who you know had been sexually assaulted on a run, and she had a, a very you know a heartbreaking story. And again, this was at like eleven o'clock, ten o'clock in the morning on yeah, like the normal it's, it's, run that she crazy. does in the park. You know what I mean? So even that. You, you don't want you don't want people to necessarily live their life in paranoia, but you also have to be cognizant of potential danger too. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and like at the end of the day, we, of course, we, we do get posts and we get emails from people saying, you know, it's a pity there has to be a product out there like this um, because everybody should be able to go out in a room without being harassed, without without being a victim of assault. There's no question of that, but unfortunately. The, the days that we're living in now, look, that's just not the reality of the situation. Um, you know, you, you need to be mindful of, of your running nowadays. Um, and Run Angel, I hope, gives that peace of mind um, that the wearer can just put it on and just tie the laces and effectively not think about it and just go out. And then their loved one knows that they're wearing it and that gives them peace of mind equally. Um, and then everybody's happy. And, 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 and that's exactly what we're just trying to do. We're just trying to, you know, you don't want to go out and you run and, and wear a headlamp and you see somebody in the bushes and now suddenly you, you stop going that route or, or I'm not going out tomorrow night because of what happened last night. You know, you know, it's, it's, it's not right. It, it's, it's certainly not right. So keep the, keep, keep the running going, you know, is what we say, you know, get off the treadmill and keep going outside, you know, because it's outside is where, where, where it's key. Yeah, no, I hear you. And it's funny when you, that comment that the woman said, it's too bad that someone needs your product. And she yeah. isn't essentially wrong, but your no. point, your point is well told. And it's funny. I work in the, um, in the philanthropy industry. You know, I'm a you know, full-time, I'm a major gift fundraiser. And, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we joke about with some of my colleagues at other organizations that like, you know, someone works at like a soup kitchen, like their job is essentially to put themselves out of business. Yeah. Right. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. like the best case scenario is that no one needs the soup kitchen anymore. Right. That's exactly. like the best case yeah. scenario. I know. I know. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's certainly a nail on the head. And, you know, I, uh, as you said yourself there, you know, it, it, getting an email like that or the odd post, as you said, it, it's, it's just, it's a pity, but it's the reality of it as well, you know? And um, as I said, it's just about peace of mind. And uh, we, we hope we're doing that to some degree. For sure. David, I'm so glad you, you know, agreed to come on. I don't do this very often. You know, you're not paying to be on air. This isn't a sponsorship or an advertisement. But what you guys are doing is so important, both you and your wife, because even in the U.S. recently, you know, a lot of, you know, it's, it's you know, it stinks to say, that's for sure. But, you know, a lot of... Um, a lot of crime has happened and has been, you know, kind of told in the public eye, which is good. But, you know, it's, it's kind of been a focal point in 2018, what's happened on yeah. runs, um, yeah. especially to some young ladies um, who have who have died on runs. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's heartbreaking to see. So, you know, thank, for, thank you for what you're doing with this product. No, and no, I, and, uh, and what, what's the best way for people to um, to purchase it or to learn more about it? Yeah, just pop on to runangel.com and or send send myself or Ellen an email at hello at runangel.com if, if, if anyone wants a little bit more information, a little bit more direct information. But as you said, yeah, 2018 wasn't wasn't a good year for 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 the running community with, with the, uh, the, the 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 attacks on, on runners. I have to say though, Matt, um, you know, I am in awe of the American people. I really am in awe because you you guys just 
you leave every other country in a happy place when it comes to personal safety. And I say this to media in, in the EU and other countries. I said, if you want to see uh, how people take personal safety seriously, just go to America and, and you'll see it. Or, or I'll show you emails because it, it's done proper. These people, the, 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 this nation cares about themselves and their loved ones and their personal safety. And, and they're happy to talk about it. I've been on you know, shows in, in other countries and it's been almost, you know, I don't know, it's, it's been counterproductive, you know, because we don't talk about sexual assault. You, you can't talk about this in the radio. No, this is nasty. Let's push it aside. But, you know, the, the emails, I have to say to myself and Alan get from our American customers is just staggering. So I'd like to say if anyone's listening and, and, and it happens to be a customer on agent, thank you so much. Yeah, I, we really appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. Um, you, you're just fantastic at what you guys do. And uh, and the organisations that are in the states, it's just yeah, it's 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 hats off. I, I tip my hat as an Irishman. I tip my hat to you all. Well, I know you you guys are helping people get out there and, and live the lives that they want to live. So I really appreciate that between you guys and the people who do you know like the, the, the thermal winter running gear. I don't know. You know, it's like <laughs> without without those two subsets of the running culture, I feel like. Especially people in the Northeast would probably only run like three months out of the year. So obviously that's, that's kind of a, you know, it's a, a, a chance of levity on my part, but I really appreciate what you're doing and thank you so much for coming no on the problem. show. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. Thank you, David and James for coming on this episode of the rambling runner podcast. I know people like the coach's corner segments. Um, oftentimes my issues dovetail with your issues and it's nice to hear an expert's opinion on how we can both overcome them. And also hearing from David talk about run angel. I know that was interesting for me, not only because of just the topical nature of the conversation, but just hearing even the business side of it, I think is interesting. Uh, a lot of us, you know, have careers and are in the, you know, in the business world one way or another. And it's just interesting to see someone take a passion project and make it a reality. Um, I always get inspired by those things. And, you know, considering what this podcast has done, I can kind of relate a little bit to what he's trying to do or what he's done and what I'm trying to do is a certainly better way of saying it. So thank you so much for coming on. Big shout out to Megaton Coffee, as always, the official fuel of the Rambling Runner podcast. Check them out at megatoncoffee.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sharing and, and reviewing the podcast. It means the world to me. So again, thank you and happy running.